Joining us is the Dr. T. Anansi Wilson. He is an award-winning scholar of law, literary, and cultural studies, a racial justice strategist, and an author of creative nonfiction. He joins us this morning about the forthcoming Center for the Study of Black Life and Law. Good morning, Dr. Wilson. Good morning. How y'all doing this morning? Unbelievable. Tell us what makes this new uh, Center of Law for the Study of Law and Black Life uh, so unique at uh, at the Mitchell Hamlin School of Law. Well, you know the, the reason it's so unique is it's the first of its kind in the nation. You know, across the Twin Cities and across the United States, you'll see a racial justice center here. You'll see a social justice center there. But there's never anything as audacious enough at a law school that says we're going to focus on how black life is impacted by the law and how the law orders and disorders black people's living and dying, as I say, from the womb to the tomb. Everybody, we're talking with Dr. Anansi Wilson about this new forthcoming center of the study of black life and law. Tell us how law intersects with black life and how you'll be teaching that in the classrooms. Well, you know, it, it intersects with every part of black life and black death as well, if you think about it. You know, we recently saw, you know, Serena Williams and her pregnancy nearly losing her life. A multi-millionaire, darn near billionaire black woman not being able to be listened to by her doctor because of the way uh, people see black pain. We see what happens with black children when we go to schools and we're not able to get adequate funding and have proper textbooks, or even police in the schools by resource officers. We see what happens when black folks are even at the law school graduate school level. We graduate with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and then are zeroed out of relief because we're seen as making too much as we see with the new Biden uh, kind of uh, student loan relief here. And we also see what happens with policing. We see what happens with elder care, uh, the ways in which black life is kind of shortened, uh, which I call, you know, what City of Hartman really calls by the afterlives of slavery. And that, that tells us, you know, how black humanity is something that is not legitimate in the United States, oftentimes legitimized rather. And it's not something that folks tend to read upon our bodies, seeing us as equal, seeing us as feeling. Very interesting. I'm just curious, why should black people, uh, black folks in particular, want to foster social justice in the black community? Why should we want to pursue a law degree when we understand that there is so much civil unrest in our communities, not only here in the Twin Cities, but around the world? You know, the law is a weapon. It can either be used for you or it can be used against you. Hmm. It can be a protectorate. Or it can be something that destroys your entire livelihood or life. And so I think when we think about uh, black folks fostering social justice and fostering law, we have to go back to our history. Folks like Pauline Murray, who uh, wrote the, uh, the, the, the article Jane Crow, Thurgood Marshall's mentor, and of course Thurgood Marshall. Charles Hamilton Houston once said that, you know, a lawyer is either a social engineer or a parasite on society. Which one are you? Uh, and so I think that when we're talking about this long array of anti-blackness from colonial, co- colonialism to slavery to Jim Crow uh, to the new Jim Crow to the present, really, uh, the way that that has been manifested, the way it's been legitimized, has been through the logics of law. Uh, what we have not seen is a truly black perspective on the law. Right now, you think about the law, and they'll say, you know, a reasonable person standard, you know, you free to leave from an officer. But that a reasonable person that's imagined by the law is a white, upper-middle-class man. That reasonable person that's imagined by the law is not a black teenager walking down the streets, right, of, of northeast Minneapolis. Those type of considerations are not taken into account. And so when black folk get engaged with the law, we get to change the center. We get to restart the narrative. And we get to kind of turn some of these old racist, anti-black assumptions in the law on their head. And the way you make those things permanent is not just through culture and politics, but it's through the enforcement and the legitimization of black letter law. You're talking about racism. So what does it mean to be an anti-racist law school student or even a law school? 
Yeah, I think that, you know, law schools are still figuring this out. I think we're still figuring this out in Mitchell Hamlin. It's, it's aspirational for sure. But what it does mean is kind of taking that analysis I just put forth and understanding, listen, where, and this is one of the classes that I teach, one of the titles, where is the black in black letter law? Where are black bodies being, uh, really being contested in the law? And where are we being silenced, right? Where are we the subject of law? And where is the law actually putting us outside its grasp? And so I think when it, we were talking about being anti-racist, particularly when it, when it deals with black folk, it's understanding even that the way we practice the law, even the way evidence comes into the court. One of my professors at Howard Law used to say, the law is about proof and not truth. Then what does that mean, right, for the average black person who can't afford, you know, a well-qualified attorney or whose life or whose utterances are not seen as, as legitimate in the court? We can go back to the case, uh, Diamond Ferguson, Mike Brown, we had that young lady trying to testify as to what she saw. Uh, and she was denigrated, right, by the defense attorney because of the dialect, the African-American vernacular English that she spoke in. And so it's really uprooting all of these assumptions that come not just with the law, but the ways in which we engage each other and doing that actively and not just responding to it. It takes work. It takes unlearning. What does this mean to people listening to you right now, listening to us with this conversation? And you even talked about the construct of law being a weapon. Uh, tell us how we can utilize this information that you're sharing with us today. Yeah, I mean, uh, the way you utilize it, honestly, is, is to get more information. Uh, and you can get some more information for some of the work that I've written, but there's a really great book out right now. Uh, it's the New York Times bestseller by Princeton University professor Ibani Perry, and it's called South to America. Uh, and it really puts all this in the context, particularly the black experience in the United States, from before the founding to the present, and thinking about how black people over and over again have rebirthed birth and rebirth, different um, different instantiations of this nation. Um, so that's a great place to start. And I think the way you put it into put it into work and put it into conversation is sharing the knowledge, debating the knowledge. This is the conversation we should be having at our kitchen table. We should be having these conversations at the barbershop, at the beauty salon, and at school, and, and standing on it. Because as you know all too often, black folks are not given the opportunity to learn our deep history beyond MLK, beyond, you know, Malcolm X, beyond the civil rights movement, you know. Who were the trailblazers during and before slavery, right? Who are those people now, and where do we fit? Uh, and, I, and I'll say lastly on that note, I mean, there was an old quote by Maya Angelou, and she said, you know, when I walk in the room, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. And I think it's our duty to understand that we are the product of those 10,000 ancestors and to really invest in being our ancestors' wildest dreams of freedom, right? Uh, and to check in with ourselves every day on that. That, that makes a lot of sense, Doctor. Last question. We're just about out of time. I'm just really curious. When you brought, I'm sure it was you, when you brought forth the idea of uh, the law being a weapon, what did your professors tell you? How did they react? Well, you know, <laughs> when I brought that forth at Howard, uh, they, were, they were a little <laughs> shook, you know. <laughs> I love Howard Law. It's a great school. Shout out to HBCUs. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's not the school that used to be in the 60s. We're not, we weren't in that movement at the time. I believe Trayvon had just gotten killed. And so people were a little shook looking at me as a little radical, you know, black LGBT person in the corner, you know, with this huge afro. Um, but, you know, after a while, they cultivated that to me, you know. And we call that the Houstonian method. You don't make the, don't let the law work you. You work the law. And I think folks quickly realized that's what I was trying to do and give you a lot of support for it. Interesting. What was the method you I, I, that went by too quickly for me? Yeah, uh, the Houstonian method from you, Charles Hamilton Houston. Got it. Yep. Got it. Do you have a final thought for us this morning? I'm enjoying this conversation, but we got to go. What's our final thought this morning? Yeah, I, I would just say that, you know, folks don't get discouraged. Uh, black folks have survived, and obviously everyone didn't survive, but black people have defeated slavery. We defeated Jim Crow. 
you defeat the colonization. This is the new reinstantiation of those type of anti-black regimes. And if we keep our heads together, keep our hearts together, and realize that none of us are free to all free, we'll defeat this latest instantiation of anti-blackness as well. Interesting. You know, uh, this could be uh, the, the clarion call for a lot of young people listening to us uh, share this morning uh, who might want to pursue uh, a career in the law uh, at the forthcoming mm-hmm. Center of Law for Black Life and Law at Mitchell Hamlin University School of Law. I've learned a lot talking with you this morning, and I'm looking forward to further conversations with you, Dr. Nancy Wilson. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. If anyone has any questions about law school or wants to get involved, be sure to reach out to me on Mitchell Hamlin website. Shoot me an email.